The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Welcome back to a brand new series of the I Am Independent podcast. These are certainly strange times that we live in, but nevertheless, the independent artist grind is real, hustling hard uh, more than ever, I would think. Well, we're hoping that this series will continue to inspire you, resource you and encourage you even in these difficult times, covering all sorts of topics that are relevant to you guys. We always welcome your feedback, so do get in touch on Instagram or through our website you can find our email address uh, info at iamindependent.co.uk to let us know what you'd like us to cover what you'd want to hear more of or just any comments that you want to share with us so this series is all about hearing artists stories uh, learning from those who have gone before but also thinking about real life as an artist and how we apply that how we live it how we make those dreams a reality So thanks once again for joining us. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the I Am Independent podcast. Uh, We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this series where we're speaking to a variety of independent artists and hearing about their journeys. And we always learn so much, something new all the time. Even uh, me, who's been doing this for a long time. Uh, And I love hearing people's stories and what they've learned. And the artist that we've got as our guest today, I'm actually a fan. Um, Since the first time she sent me her music, when I had my own radio show, I instantly loved her. And I've really enjoyed seeing her progress uh, and from strength to strength, genuinely, with every release, with the campaign, everything around it, she adds something new. So I've wanted to speak to her about that. And I know it's not been plain sailing, like it never is for any independent artist. But she really is flying. Um, you're going to love her when you hear her music. Uh, and we're really grateful to have her on the podcast. Welcome, Rebecca Fitch. Thank you so much both for having me. I'm so excited. And that introduction, wow, I was just sitting there thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> said it many times on our boot camp on videos be all have heard me saying this so many times that I obviously used to get sent music a lot when I was doing mm-hmm. my unsigned radio show and probably seven maybe eight times out of ten it would be something I wasn't let's say excited about uh, mm-hmm. and I really the show was to encourage people but also to discover a talented emerging artist so I'd always reply to people but it was always such a joy when I would be sent something that I would not only love but be blown away and want to not just hear the music but want to get to know the artist Mm -hmm. Um, and that certainly happened the first time that you you sent me music and just seeing how your careers progressed has just been wonderful to see Um, but maybe we could start back at the beginning because I mean when when do you think it was that you first started in music I find it so hard to put a start date on that because it's not like it's a band where you did a first gig together or you wrote your first songs together it's I feel like for me it was a really slow process of discovering that it was a career path that I could actually decide to take you know because growing up I didn't know any professional musicians so all I saw was 
uh, school talent shows and like Beyonce and I was like what's the in between like I remember mm. asking my parents when I was younger how did they get to do that they were like what is the in between part between me and being a professional artist and singer um, so it was a really slow process of discovery for me and I, I don't think it was really until I was at university that I properly started to integrate myself into local music scenes and meet other people who were following a career in that because for me it never seemed like something that was realistic or doable um, so maybe when I was around like 1920 I started to kind of pursue it a bit more and push more doors and actually try and you know record music and release music and see what would happen with it but it was just you know it's continual experiment to see how far you can take it so yeah a slow process of just testing waters and trying to improve so I found really hard to put a start date on it but maybe when I was about 19 or 20 I think mm. yeah but you did do, yeah. you were doing music at uni right yeah that's right so I think before then you know I went to do music at Durham because I, there was nothing else that I really liked enough to study so I was like well you know the standard career path for the people I see around me is to go to university so that's just what I will do that's what everyone does you know I didn't really see any other options but there wasn't anything else that really fascinated me as much as music so I thought I'll go to university because that's what you're supposed to do in quotation marks but I'll do music because that's what I love the most and just see what happens with it. Did you enjoy it and did you find it helpful for your for where you are now? That's such an interesting one because I feel like when people hear that I studied music, they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm like, well, actually, my course has nothing to do with anything that I do now. I find it fascinating. I really did. You're learning all about, you know, music history and composition and all these people who were pioneers, but it was very academic mm -hmm. and not necessarily geared towards a career in the music industry. So mm. the industry side was very much self-taught and self-discovery, mm. but it gave me a vision of exploring these artistic pioneers and musicians who were, you know, experimenting with, with new techniques. And it really broadened my horizons of the music that's out there instead of just, you know, hearing what is shoved at us through mainstream radio all the time. I was having lectures on you know, musicians like Bjork and David Bowie and loads of other electronic artists that were really experimental that I wouldn't have found otherwise. And I think that really shaped my own artistry and songwriting mm -hmm. um, and the development of that because otherwise I would never have been exposed to that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the greatest thing I found from my course was just discovery and mm -hmm. time to experiment. I love that really that your real kind of education was when you started to see other artists actually doing it and just tell mm. us about um, that time because I remember you telling me it was more that you started to see other artists performing and pretty much stalked where they gigged and followed in their footsteps and I think that's such a great way to learn and it's something we often advise people to do and it, it does actually work in practic practicality doesn't it? Yeah absolutely I think at the start I just felt like it was so overwhelming and I didn't know where to start really because I didn't have many friends who were doing what I was doing. So I messaged a few people who I knew were in local scenes to ask, how do you get gigs? Because mm. I have no idea, you know, venues aren't replying to me because they don't know who I am. They don't want to take a risk in putting on an artist that they've never seen or heard of before. So how on earth do you go about getting gigs? And 
you know, if you actually go to gigs and just make contact and start to make friends with people who are doing what you do, then that's, you know, nearly all the gigs I've done since I moved to London have been through friends, you know, mm. support acts or they're curating gigs. You know, it's all been through people that I've known. Um, and that's that was something that I really learned in that time is to just reach out to people and ask for advice. So when I left university then, I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's just try for a year and see what happens. And I'll move back home and I'll just try and write and gig and just let's just see what happens. So I moved home and just spent a whole year just trying to connect with as many people as possible and meet everyone for coffee that would possibly meet me um, and just make loads of friends that way and get loads of advice that way. And honestly, I was so surprised at the reception that people gave me and how many people were willing to give up their time and um, an effort to just help me out and give me advice. So that was really crucial. I think it really gave me so much faith in the industry that it wasn't cutthroat and competitive all mm. the time, mm. but people actually just wanted to help each other and see each other thrive. That's so cool. And I love the bravery of that, you know, of um, this is an industry that you didn't have people that you knew in it, but like you just dove right in and um, just <clears throat> asked to meet people and, you know, to share their advice and their, their journeys. And that can be quite intimidating. Did it feel intimidating for you or um, are you like... Is, is that is that something that comes easy for you to do? <clears throat> <clears throat> it was a bit of a mix, I think. You know, it's always intimidating whenever mm. you're at conferences or panel talks mm. and it ends and you're like, oh, I really, really want to talk to them, but it feels so awkward to go up and try and make a connection that doesn't yeah. feel really forced. And I still struggle with that. You know, I am quite extroverted, but I still find it hard to just go and make that initial contact with someone um but you know I find that it always helps if you just go up and compliment them yeah. <laughs> just like be really genuine and not super networky or business-like mm. but just have a really natural conversation mm. um because you know everyone's human and there's a real sense of solidarity for everyone who's in the music industry like it's hard and they get it so you know I think that's why there's an ethos of let's just try and help each other out here because it is really tough but we want it to be an amazing industry that thrives. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it can be intimidating, but I think you just have to suck it up and go for it. Yeah. It's, it's hard, but, you know, that's that's the real test and the resilience is to see, like, are you willing to to step out and risk? Mm. So when was your first gig? Was it after uni or um, before? So I started to release some music um, at the end of my second year of uni. And, you know, I, I played in bars and pubs and stuff and, you know, every so often thrown in an original song, but it wasn't necessarily a headline gig or a ticketed event or anything. Um, the first gig I probably remember that was, you know, me as an artist at it was my first single launch. And that was another thing I find that, you know, if I couldn't get gigs, like nobody would put me on or give me a slot at, at an event just put your own event on. Mm. <laughs> like, that's just what I did from the very start. You know, my first quite a few gigs were all just ones that I booked the venue, found someone to do the sound, made the poster, made the event and invited people. And that's a gig, you know, you can yeah. do it yourself. And that's kind of what I've continually done for all of my single launches. Instead of just leaving it up to the hands of a promoter to select you or reply to your email and agree to put you on, just find a venue and do it yourself because... Your friends will come, you know, 
if they if they support you and they like what they what you do then they'll come so don't be afraid to put your own gigs on for sure because i i'm still doing that um it, they're the ones that i put on i find they're the most fun because you're the one they're the ones that you're the most invested in because mm. you spend so long curating them and making the event amazing and making sure everything works you know That's one so of the good. things that you've um, done really well as well is really concentrating on your hometown and getting a loyal fan base there and uh, and growing that in Belfast and you ended up headlining amazing the one of the iconic venues there I was trying to remember the name of it earlier um there's one called the Mac or is it the Empire there's a few different ones there's so many great venues in Belfast yeah but I remember thinking that is amazing to sell out those venues you know, for your own gig, that's quite an mm-hmm. achievement. And when you can do that in your hometown, it really shows that you have got a loyal fan base. And obviously, as you mentioned, you've moved to London now, re- relatively mm-hmm. recently. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like? Uh, how much was music to do with that move, or even what you'd already established in Belfast? And was there a sense of feeling like you had to start again when you moved to London? And what were some of your reasons to move to London? Because there is this mentality that you have to be in London for music, um, mm. which there's some truth in that, but would just love to hear your reasons. Yeah, I think there were a few different factors at play. Not music related. Personally, for me, I love change and I love challenging myself and seeing new things. And I'm such a city person. And the bigger the city, the more exciting I find it. And so I always knew that I wanted to live in London at some point. Um, but obviously it made sense musically to go there because there's such a rich scene here. And after being based in Belfast for two years, I felt like I'd kind of gone around the circuit um well enough and I met everyone that I could and I was playing the same venues again and again and I didn't want to feel like I was stagnating at all I wanted to set myself a fresh challenge and move somewhere new where I could forge new relationships and meet new people and write with new people and just expand even more and move into a bigger space where there was more room to grow um but you know with that move, I was so keen to make sure that I wasn't cutting ties with Belfast at all, but kind of see it as I have a foot in both camps. So I'm still so invested in the Northern Irish music scene, but I'm just exploring London as well and seeing what else is out there. Um, So I think it is so important to be loyal to your roots because those are the people that first supported you and first invested Mm -hmm. in you. Um, So if you move anywhere, don't lose that connection because, you know, even with things like BBC introducing, they're still, your local station is still how you're going to feed into that. And so you need to have that connection. Um, And in London, like it's so big Mm -hmm. and you can so easily get lost and lose your identity in it because there's so much going on. So it's really useful to still have that original network of people that you have from home because you know, like you were saying, Loretta, it does feel like you're starting again when you move yeah. somewhere new. You don't have your friends and your fan base, if you can call it that, anymore. You're having to do gigs for free again mm. and, you know, go lower down the bill and play in smaller venues. And it's hard. It is like starting the grind again. But if you can keep that sense of excitement and that you're still growing, then it's okay. Um, another thing that I've gone on about to anybody that I've talked to about you is your live show Uh, you're one of the most captivating performers I've ever seen I think such if if anyone wants a good night out go to Rebecca Fitch gig because 
It's amazing. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and you are quite theatrical when you perform. You perform with everything and you're a multi-instrumentalist, even the setup and all of that. And I just wondered how you got to that place. Like, in some senses, you've not been doing music really for that long. Um, and I wondered if that's because you have just done so... I know you've gigged a lot. But what was that process like of honing your live performance? And, and even... Um, has it been intentional? Were you like that from the beginning or is that something that's kind of developed? How did you decide what kind of artist you wanted to be on stage? Because that's such a big part of your persona and it's, it is very captivating. It's very memorable to go and see you live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was something that has kind of come over time. So if I'm doing a, a solo show or I guess with a band as well, I do a lot of live looping and so I've got different instruments around me and I love seeing people's response to that because it's not always something that they've seen before. Um, And it's it's something that is more of a spectacle to watch than just standing in front of a microphone. Um, And I find it more interesting for me. I love, you know, like I said, I love challenging myself, but I didn't just one day wake up and go, okay, I'm going to have five instruments and loop them all. I just started with, you know, my keyboard and a loop pedal and I just looped some vocal harmonies over each other. And then eventually I got another keyboard and I started looping that and then I brought in um, a drum pad and then I added my flute. It was, you know, I added a flute after that and it was very slow and steady. And after I've mastered one set of things, I'd be like, okay, what else can I add now that I'm comfortable with this? What else can I be adding to the mix? So it was all added over the course of maybe a year. And, you know, I was gigging quite a lot. So I was getting used to my setup and then trying to bring something fresh in but I think I've always loved watching artists like Kate Bush and Florence and the Machine who are very and Stevie Nicks who are very extroverted but also really introverted in how they perform and I just find that so captivating and with live shows that is so often when people fall in love with artists Mm. and it's when you have that real sense of how your music is being responded to and how it's resonating with people and sometimes it's weird like I love the actual performance but sometimes I'm convinced that my favorite part of a gig is after the gig when you're chatting to people and hearing their response to it um that's just so magical for me and hearing like how you've impacted someone or how they experience your performance I guess with more instruments and more things like that there's more chances of things going wrong though (laughs) do you get more nervous now with gigs or less nervous Ooh, it really depends on the gig, you know? Yeah. I think because I've done so many with my current setup, I'm quite comfortable with it. And, you know, especially with a loop pedal, things can go wrong, but I'm comfortable enough to know how to regain it and kind of make sure that it falls back into place again. Um, but, you know, it's all about just remembering that you're in control and you control how the audience feels. So if mm. you get awkward and stressed, they're going to get awkward and stressed. But everyone is essentially there to have a good time. Mm. That's a good thing about like pop music and what I do is like it's not a concert where there's high stakes, mm. really. It's everyone's there for enjoyment. So if something goes wrong, as long as you can keep the audience happy and enjoying the event then that's fine so Mm. you don't really need to be worried about it the only thing I really stress about is like tech stuff because Mm. tech is so often what lets you down and when you have different things coming into the mix if that fails like during sound check or whatever 
that can be stressful. But mm. at the end of the day, you're just creating joy and an experience for people. So as long as you remember that, then it's okay. <laughs> Just a quick reminder that we have a growing number of resources and useful videos on our YouTube page. Just search I Am Independent and you should find us. And do follow us on social media on Instagram at We Are Independent Artists and on Facebook under the same. Also on Facebook, you can join our closed group where we're creating community for independent artists to swap ideas, collaborate and just feel extra supported and encouraged. You can find links to everything we do on our website, www.iamindependent.co.uk. I just wanted to pivot slightly because um, your latest release, game is it Game Over, your single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you made a, like a game. And yeah. I just thought that that was Me and so my much. son played the game. We loved it. Yeah, so did I. And it, yeah, me too. And it's like such a good idea. And so would you be able to talk us through um, like how you even came up with that idea? I mean, when you say game, say game over, I can, in my mind, could think, okay, that could be an idea. But then I might just back that away as like, I can't make a game. Um, but like, how did you come up with the idea? And then how did, just for artists to know, like, Okay, so say I had an idea and I wanted to make a game, that would be a great idea. What did you do to do to make that? And then in terms of your campaign for that, just like talk us through that a little bit, just as an, like a case study for um, other artists who are listening. Yeah, so I, I find sometimes I come up with the best ideas when I'm trying to fall asleep, but I can't because I'm too excited about thinking about things. <laughs> so I kind of came up with this idea for doing a visual EP because mm. I love doing the visual side of music and sometimes I think I prefer it, but yeah, I just love it so much. Yeah. So I wanted to come up with a visual EP where every track on the EP had some kind of visual representation, but it was all, everything was unique. So it wasn't just like five music videos. It was different artistic mediums brought in to relate to the music. Mm. So each one had their own little life outside of the song. Um, so for Game Over, I think naturally it makes sense because it, the title is game over but also the whole concept of the song was this sense of endless running and you're trying to keep up with everyone and you're trying mm. to fit in the mold and do what everyone else is doing and not get left behind and mm. it really just reminded me of that sense of you know when you're on like those games like temple run yeah, or other yeah. mario kart or whatever you're on this moving platform which doesn't stop at all ever but you're just trying to keep going and not die (laughs) and I feel like that was what early adulthood feels like sometimes because you're just constantly trying to keep a grip on everything but there's new blocks and challenges coming at you all the time um so I had the idea from that to have an interactive game instead of a music video um and one of my friends does a bit of game design so I chatted it through with him and he was like yeah it's a great idea but the way he did it wasn't working on mobile and it didn't work so then I was chatting it through with my brother who's um still at school but he just is one of those people that knows how to do everything and so as soon as he googles something he can figure out how to work something so I said it to him and he was like oh I reckon you know we can figure out how to do it we'll just see if there's any platforms that you can design games on and 
you know, do it that way. And I'm just sitting there like, what on earth are you talking about? Um, so I then decided to do the visual side of it. So I did the graphics and the game concept and everything. And he, my brother, did the coding. Um, but it was very much trial and error. Neither of us had any idea what we were doing, but we were both excited by it. And so we were passionate about working on it. Um, and yeah, it was so nice to work on something with my brother that was new for both of us and a real collaboration. Yeah. Um, but it was very much, we are Googling everything because we know nothing, yeah. but it just turned out really well. And yeah. it would be cool to do something like that again. That's sure. so cool. So when you say you did the graphics side, are you, are you a graphic designer? Do you do that sort of thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, See, that's what I think, that's what I think is really interesting. Yeah, that's what I think is so interesting because, like, if if you were drawing on your your other sort of um, skills in other disciplines, then that would obviously make sense. But to say that, okay, I don't, I don't have that skill, but like, I, we wanted to make a game, and then you said, oh, I, I just took care of the graphic side, and like, okay, but you didn't even know how to do that. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because. Um, there's so much that we don't know how to do, especially in this music game. And then and there are so many barriers because we think that we don't have the money to be able to employ people to um, make, create some of the, um, bring some of the ideas we have to life. But it's not necessarily the case. It's just a bit of, it feels like there's a bit of um, curiosity and like um, ballsiness as well, just to be like, oh, I can try that. I can do that. Let me give that a go. And because the game is great. And and it's such a unique idea um, for um, a single rollout, you know. And um, I think it's really, really inspiring and something for um, independent artists. Just even myself, just to think, oh, have an idea and figure out how you can make it happen rather than let yeah. it be a barrier, you know. Yeah, you're so right. I think that's something that I've always just been really passionate about is come up with the idea and then just figure out how to do it as you go and so much of what I do is I just do it myself and I just figure it out mm. along the way and you find people to help you because you have a vision and they want to help you yeah. so I think with the graphic side like I'm a very visual person but mm. I don't have like Adobe or anything mm. I was trying to find free programs that were similar I'm going to allow me to do similar things but not cost the earth mm. and so I love challenging myself creatively. And so kind of going down the graphics design route was something that I could really get my teeth into, you know, during lockdown and everything mm. because I had more time and mm. I wanted to challenge myself with new creative outlets. So good. I think you're, I mean, I said at the beginning of the interview that with each campaign and each release, I feel like you've added something new. You can literally see you upskilling yourself and you could probably think, oh, you've got a big team around you. And I know, you know, you've not done these things on yourself. Like you said, your brother had helped you, but you pretty much, it's not like you've, you've got a, a label behind you or this big team behind you. What would you say are the most important things that you've learned and implemented, uh, that you implement in your campaigns now? Like, for example, your last one just was so well executed, the lead up to it, the visuals, the behind the scenes of the videos. Um, yeah, just tell us about what you've learned, what's gone wrong and, and what's gone right. Yeah, well, I think just off the back of talking about the game, I think don't underestimate what you're capable of doing yourself. 
you know, I think sometimes people wait around for opportunities to come to them, but you're just going to be waiting for a long time. Mm-hmm. You just got to seize different ideas that you have and, and run with them and experiment and push doors. And not everything works. Like, really, not everything works. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because at least you know you've tried something and you know for next time what works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah, I think what I've definitely been learning this year is to make sure that I'm constantly excited about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and not just get caught up in the campaigns trying to achieve certain goals and see it do well and tick certain boxes but actually if you're making stuff that you're really proud of and that other people are excited about as well then that's all you really need to be doing Mm -hmm. Um, because I think before I was definitely getting caught up in you know trying to get certain reviews and get certain um exposure from different blogs and spotify playlists and if you if you go in with that mindset it's just a constant cycle of disappointment Mm -hmm. so i think those are added bonuses if they come but as long as you're passionate and excited about what you're doing then it really comes through because i think with these past couple of songs and projects that i've put out i've been so engaged in myself and i i just fallen in love with the project and it means that i invest more of my time in them and the response from them has just been electric and it just keeps igniting my own excitement about what I'm doing and I don't want that to to slide away now so Mm. looking forward I'm always seeing okay what did people resonate with last time what did they engage with what did they like and how can I sustain that interest and that engagement and I think with the game especially what I thought was really cool was that it wasn't a passive thing. It was something that people could play and engage mm. with and be a part of. Mm. And I think that's why people really liked it because mm. it wasn't just something that they watch and then move on, but mm. it was something that required participation. And especially mm. during a time when there's no live shows, you know, I wanted to have something that made people feel like they were still included and they were part of the story and part of the, the wider journey. Um, yeah. I think just being excited about what you're doing, it will come through. Um, And like you were saying, Loretta, I am always trying to improve all the time and challenge myself creatively and try new things. And, you know, if there's unpredictability with that, it's it's often a good thing because there's a story behind it and it keeps people interested in, in you as an artist. When you've had a campaign that's successful and resonated like that, how much pressure if you like is there to keep the momentum going even even not in terms of oh I've got to better it but just in terms of um amount of content that you that you put out that you create because it, it takes a lot when you do a campaign really well and it's not just writing the and recording the song it's all the other things and especially as an independent artist when all of that's coming from you it's actually quite exhausting and then people are like <laughs> when's your next one and you're like give me a break oh my gosh (laughs) yeah I mean I think I am feeling that more now that pressure to make sure everything I release now is of a certain standard and it makes you think you know if you were really famous with loads of fans there is a scary amount of pressure Mm -hmm. on releasing stuff because right now you know I'm relatively unknown I'm still starting out so if I put something out there's not millions of people waiting in expectancy for something amazing I just get to put something out and hope that people enjoy it um so I think I'm 
definitely learning to enjoy that I don't have that pressure, but obviously trying to build it as I go. Um, but I mean, I think pressure is a good thing in some way if you don't let it get to you because it does make sure that you are really pushing yourself and mm. you're not just settling for things, but you're always trying to make it the best that it can possibly be. Um, but at the same time, not getting so precious about it that you never release anything, mm. you know, because that's the kind of other other side of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a difference between uh, pursuing a music career in Belfast and pursuing it in London? Does it is has it felt different? I mean, it's a weird time, so also that. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. um, it's a tricky one. I feel like in Belfast, that was where I started out, and it felt a lot more manageable because mm. it was smaller and so you know in six months I'd met most people who were involved in the music scene whereas you could be in London for 10 years and not meet everyone who's involved in the music scene yeah um in London it's also a lot more international as well mm. so mm. I guess most people well, a lot of musicians from London aren't from London so they still have ties to somewhere else so um in Belfast there's definitely a sense of solidarity of um giving Belfast a good name and representing where you're from. Um, I think for me, it's mostly just the size of it because London is still so intimidating mm. and I still have no idea what I'm doing and I can't make sense of the musical landscape because it's so massive. Mm. Um, but it gives me a lot to be working on, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. See, I don't, it's hard when you're here because you, I don't see it as really big, but obviously mm. I, this is all I've ever known, isn't it? So, um, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it, you, there is so many people to know and, and to, to you know, get in, introduced to in terms of the business and this, there are lots of people doing lots of things. And actually I do, I'm always discovering new people, like new musicians and all that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, when you think about it, it is a much bigger pool to be swimming in I think it's nice though whenever in London you meet someone who does know someone that you know because yeah. then you've made that connection and it feels like yeah. your little web is starting yeah. to make yeah. sense because you can see how people know each other and how they're connected and yeah. you feel like you're maybe starting to integrate in and you're not standing yeah. outside looking in like what is this madness yeah. how do I get in yeah. and not just remain a spectator mm. you know so whenever you do find this mutual connections of people it is all the more special I suppose when gigs come back in that's because that's usually the place isn't it where you you just create the network um and so on sort of like music events so once those come back um because that's always the way we all kind of connect isn't it at a gig yeah. me and Loretta met at a gig how all those let's not say how many moons ago that was and so <laughs> It's just like, it's the way, isn't it? So aside from social media and the internet. So I suppose it will, you'll, I imagine you'll, fast, you'll become even more integrated really quickly once um, the, gig, <laughs> the gig scene comes back. Um, what advice? I mean, um, just kind of my final questions. What sort of advice would you give to a new artist today um, starting out, like, if they wanted, like they were like you and they they saw a you and they're like, how do I get from where I am to where Rebecca Fitch is? Like, you know, like there's this big gap between here and there and I just don't know how to do it. Um, what, what advice would you give? 
I think firstly, I would say it takes a lot longer than you think it will yeah. to get anywhere. Whenever I was starting out, you know, I said I give myself a year or two and see how it goes. And, you know, it's been like four, three or four years now. And yeah. I still um, feel like I'm at the start of my journey. So don't get disheartened if things don't happen for you in six months, because six months is nothing mm. <laughs> and it takes a long time. So be persistent and be resilient because 90% of your knocking on doors will either be not answered or it'll be a no mm. um but that's the norm you know don't feel like you're getting loads of no's but everyone else is getting yeses all the time because that's not the case at all you know when people post on instagram and on facebook or whatever about the opportunities that they've got or the gigs they're doing or their releases and how they've been successful you know so many of us just share when we have success but actually 99% of the things we receive is is not a success but we are not voicing that all the time yeah. so if you're seeing loads of other people being successful they have also had rejection so don't feel like you're the only one who has that yeah. um i think also just make sure you know who you are as an artist and why you're doing it because there's so many different types of careers and mm. You can have a career as an artist in a very niche genre with a with a small, very loyal following, and you can make a career from that. Or you can go into, you know, mainstream pop and try and just reach as many people as possible. But you need to know what kind of career you want and what will fit with the life that you want. So if you want to be traveling and touring all the time, pursue that. But if you want to have a stable life, that's not the direction you're going to go in. Um, and I, I guess with that is knowing your identity as an artist as well and mm -hmm. you know what you want people to see or hear when they when they think of you mm -hmm. um and just being able to sum that up really well because if you're kind of all over the place and you don't know who you are as an artist people won't really get it they won't understand it and they'll just kind of move on and not really know where to place you in their yeah. playlist or in their head or whatever um yeah, and also I think for me is just having a really clear purpose of why you're doing it mm. because with all of the rejection and the knockbacks and the never-ending persistence and resilience you have to have, you need to have a really clear reason of why you're doing it and come back to that all the time because mm. it's so easy to be led into different paths of what you want when you see other people achieving things. You have to know why you're doing it and for me like that is definitely to to show people their worth and spread truth and hope and yeah just show people their identity and and call people into that um and I think so as long as I'm releasing music that does that mm. then I'm on the right track so having a sense of purpose and reason for what you're doing is is so key whenever there's so much change and so many knockbacks that's so good great advice <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on our podcast um we've loved listening to your story and and the uniqueness of your journey so far and i am excited to um just watch you continue um do you plan to release any music this year or um oh, yes <laughs> um work at new stuff so awesome in the next month or two okay so where can um, people find you if they want to follow on your journey yeah uh well 
you know, I'm on all the socials, Instagram and Facebook. So I normally on podcasts and radio stuff have to spell my name because it's spelled unusually. So it's R-E-B-E-K-A-H and then Fitch, F-I-T-C-H. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all those places. And obviously you have to be everywhere now, Spotify, YouTube, all those kind of things. But I love hearing from people who discover my music or are enjoying it or have any kind of opinion on it um i just love hearing what people think and how it resonates yeah, yeah. are you on the tiktok the tiktok oh, you know how they are the tiktok this is it to be on tiktok everyone who's anyone who's on tiktok now and i'm like oh uh, yet. yeah so no because i'm an old woman and has not got tiktok yes no no we i am with you i am with you um so yeah they can't find you on the tiktok but they can find you everywhere else yes maybe one day i'll be on tiktok and the kids have broken me down exactly all right well thank you so much and um thank you thanks so much for joining us thank you thank you so much And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources. Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music.